in Seattle. Seattle. You need to buy yourself a home. We'll be right there for you. Because we're the realtors that you can trust. So go to ridingdancedown.com. Don't go anywhere unless you want to. It's the Ron and Don Show, starring Ron and Don, and sometimes me, at ronanddon.com. Hey, you guys, what's going on? Welcome to episode 592 now, the Ron and Don Show, live from the Les Schwab Studio. What is up, Ron and Don Nation? Hey, coming up on the Ron and Don Show, we're going to talk about what happens to the human brain when you die. This is fascinating. Also, uh, is this the end of dieting? You're not going to believe what Weight Watchers has just done is they take a new tack and they say, yeah, maybe all that stuff we did as far as having fat farms and playing the shame game, maybe we shouldn't have done that. So we're going to talk about the new Weight Watchers. And is this a trend uh, or is this a real culture change that we see happening around America and around the world right now? Before we get to that, though, let's get to this. I love this. You can find this on BuzzFeed. It's just as th- uh, things as people get older that they're not going to put up with anymore. Uh, this uh, The BuzzFeed article is older adults are revealing the things they're simply getting too old to deal with anymore. And why uh, the person that wrote this article is millennial. And they say, yeah, there's some of these things I can really uh, agree with. So this the, the first one, and I'll go through a couple and see what resonates with Ron. The first one I really like. It says uh, arguing with other people. It makes me think of, and I call him Canoe Reeves because it drives my son crazy. It makes me think of Canoe Reeves. He gave an interview about growing older and said he protects his peace by refusing to argue with anyone about anything. He said two plus two is five. You are correct, sir, and have a nice day. Uh, concerts without assigned seating. I'm not showing up hours early to get a good spot. Then I have to move, go to the bathroom, and I lose my spot. Number three, hangovers. Three days to go back to normal is just way too much. Four. I used to go to the bars on the weekend, play darts, listen to the band. Now it's just full of annoying people. Five, anything starting past 9 p.m.? No, thank you. Six, putting up with BS. I'm 64. I'm going to retire in eight months and I don't have time for it. Uh, seven, lack of sleep. All-nighters were once manageable. Now I pull an all-nighter and I'm totally useless. Eight, caring for people who don't care about me. Nine, sitting on the floor. Ten, new slang. Eleven, waiting in line. Uh, Twelve, this heat. <laughs> Thirteen, there's no way I'm going to camp on the ground. Fourteen, going places without a bathroom nearby. And number 15 is skinny jeans. I'm not putting up with that. Even if it's in style, I'm not wearing them. Anything resonate uh, with you, Ron? A lot of those resonate with me, but the one I just went through and is something that I'm I'm glad I can do now is because you know I love to travel. Back in the day, if I could save $100, I would do like two stops, a plane change, the flight was six hours longer. So like I, I would like stop over in Minneapolis and change a plane to get to Denver. It, now, like if maximum of one stop, uh, <laughs> if I'm going to, if I'm going to Europe, man, it's, it's like one stop. No, no more in, in being willing to pay extra for that of going, okay, Flight with one stop is is nine hours and fifty eight minutes, and my layover is two hours long in some airport. Or it costs me two hundred dollars more to get a flight that's five hours with that's nonstop. Like I just, to me, it's worth it 
to pay that extra money to to do not if i can go non-stop even like there i will sit in at SeaTac and just look at the non-stop international destinations i've done this before it's like okay if I can, I can go to Dublin nonstop. I and I can rattle them off of my head. I, I bet I have seventy five percent of these nonstop out of Seattle. I can go to Tokyo nonstop, Shanghai, Seoul, South Korea, Dublin, London, Paris, Amsterdam, Frankfurt, Spokane. Spokane is nonstop. But it's not international. Uh, Portland, uh, Iceland, and go to Reykjavik. I bet there's not many more than that that are nonstop direct flights. Yeah. And so if you want to do like that, that's a game changer. Like I'll go to another a country. Like that's one of the reasons I went to Shanghai. This is a nonstop flight. Are you going to start flying out of Everett? They're changing the name of the airport because they want people to know it's international and they're going to call it Seattle Everett Airport, I think. Uh, I'll, I'll check their itinerary. Yeah. Cause, I, cause, I would do that. you and I, when we lived in San Francisco, we went, wow, we should fly out of Oakland and not fly out of the Bay. We should fly out of the other city on the bay and, and that's actually a nicer airport i wonder if the airport I would, I would up and ever will, will turn into the, any of my friends that have flown out of there gone to vegas or they go down to palm springs or whatever they they love that airport they love I, the i'm with the person that said something that starts after nine <laughs> like no thank you I'm, I'm good what about you uh i think i think the arguing thing like like i love to get in spirited debates and like when you and i were talking last week and you and you thought it got country i thought it got spirited and i liked it uh but i have to remember sometimes when i get in a spirited debate that that i can come off as being aggressive and i gotta i gotta be careful with that so that was a good reminder for me but i do like i like a i like a spirited debate or a, a spirited discussion I like an informed spirited debate yeah well so i, I there's there's you know there's judgment in that and again when people say no judgment they're full of shit because your brain is wired to be judgmental that's what you do in the first six seconds you decide how you feel about somebody you thin slice them and you you might be wrong or right but you just do your brain your fight or flight system that is embedded in your brain is what keeps you alive every day when you wake up right when you're driving down the interstate spirited debate where i'm not i'm not actually I don't want to debate the bumper stickers you learned on your favorite little echo chamber. That's not a debate. That's, sometimes that's I you do reciting. The, yeah. Sometimes I do though. Like sometimes like with my cousin, Jimmy, like he's all about those well, bumper you, stickers. But that's and not I what's lo- actually happening. And I love it. You're not debating him. <laughs> you are having, you don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> you're, I know exactly what you're doing. You are having uh, a form of entertainment for yourself. That has nothing to do with debate. And I, I can and enjoy that every once in a while, too. Right there. Form of entertainment. That might be true. See you in a minute. <laughs> All right. Listen up, Everett, in Woodby Island, and our friends over on Bainbridge, and, of course, down in the South Sound, and over to Wenatchee. What's right up, up, University Place? Yeah, and right on the east side. And, of course, all our freaky friends in Fremont. You know why I name all these places? Because Ron and Don have the biggest social media following and the biggest podcast of any realtor in the state of Washington and probably in the Pacific Northwest and probably in the country. As a result of that, everybody in the Ron and Don Nation, well, they're choosing Ron and Don to sell, buy, and invest in real estate. And why do you do that? It's because you 
Trust Us with a capital T, and we have a connection from all our years at Doing Trustor Radio. But Ron, at the end of the day, we still have to step in, do a great job, be phenomenal, and win the deal, right? Yeah, it all starts with a Ron and Don sit down. It's a 30 to 45 minute Zoom call, free of charge, no obligation. We'll meet you, see if we make a good team. Email me directly, ron at ronanddon.com, or you can set it up on the website, ronanddonsitdown.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. All right, you guys, welcome back to the Ron and Don Show. Don't forget, if you need us, just reach out, ronanddonsitdown.com. I remember growing up, and uh, my grandma, who was my caretaker sometimes, would leave, and we asked her where she's going, and she said, I'm going to the fat farm. I got to go get weighed in at the fat farm. And she was going to Weight Watchers, and she called Weight Watchers the fat farm. And the first thing they do when you would get there is they weigh you in. I think Jenny Craig did something that that was very similar. And a lot of these models, when it came to weight loss, and I remember my mom, uh, I think, being connected with, with Weight Watchers as well, a lot of, a lot of females in my family, uh, which was weird because I didn't, never see, saw my mom really struggling with, her, with weight. My auntie all, her sister did. Uh, but they would, they would go, they'd get weighed in and, and, and there was a lot of shame in that game with Weight Watchers. It's interesting because Oprah Winfrey spent $46.3 million a number of years ago. Not only did she become the spokesperson, but she infused Weight Watchers with cash, right? So she's a, she, she has, she has a pretty heavy stake in the success of this business. Weight Watchers has now just pivoted. And they are going out and they are spending more time hiring doctors that can actually write prescriptions so that people can go out like a lot of people are doing in Hollywood right now and getting a shot in their arm. And they say, you get this shot in your arm and chances are you could lose 15% of your body fat. 15% is your body weight, your body weight. Yeah. And 15%. That's a game changer for a lot of people. They say as a result of that, though, it's becoming the haves and the have-nots. There's people that are going to have access to that financially. There's going to be other people that don't and won't. They say some of these miracle drugs that they're using uh, have other great effects, like helping you with anxiety, maybe helping you with depression. If you're addicted to cigarettes or alcohol, they're saying, hey, people right now that are getting this type of treatment, it's helping them with addiction, better sleep at night. It sounds like it's this real wonder drug. And whenever I hear about a wonder drug, I just kind of wait because I always know red wine. Is it good for you or is it bad for you? Uh, used fin, to, fin. Yeah. Used to be cigarettes. Cigarettes were a good thing for you. Uh, eating, Accutane. Eating lots of meat right now is something that's good for you. So, so coffee, good for you or bad for you? I could pull out a ton of articles that say you should drink two cups of coffee a day. It's the best thing you can do for your heart. But if you drink three cups, you're going to die. You can't drink three or four. You can only drink two. And then I could pull out a bunch of research that 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 says something opposite of that. So, Ron, what say you about Weight Watchers saying, yeah, in order to stay viable uh, in the weight watching, fitness, longevity game, we're going to have to change our model. And, oh, we were never talking about shame. Uh, we were just trying to educate people. And now what we're trying to do 
in my mind's eye, is help people completely differently than what the model has always been. Well, I think they do need to face up to their responsibility in the weight culture th- epidemic. It's called American. weight watchers. And so they watching have- weight. Anybody in fitness like me will say, I'm not watching weight. I weigh myself one time a week. I'm watching the way my clothes fit and how I feel about myself. Didn't mean to inter- interrupt, but we don't watch weight. We aren't weight watchers. So they're a huge contributor to diet culture. And so I, the, my mind was changed on this recently. I read a very long piece on Ozempic. I believe that's how you pronounce it. Yep. Uh, and this was a drug that was accidentally, they were treated, they were researching it for a different disorder, a meta, more of a medical uh, drug usage. Type 2 diabetes, case. yeah. And the, the side effect was this massive weight loss. And so uh, obviously they pivoted, did a little reformulation of the drug, and now it's a, it's a weight loss drug. And this, it was a, a person that had, had lifelong struggles in diet culture, had done all of these diets, had done Weight Watchers and Jenny Craig and the point system and all that stuff. Then this author, I don't remember if it was a man or a woman, but talked about, um, cause all they'd ever known was their body and all they'd ever known was their appetite and all they'd ever known was their binge eating, etc. Said so nothing to compare it with. And so in their mind, they were a failure of willpower. The, the weight watchers of the world and the diet culture of, of America had convinced totally. this person yeah. that you're a piece of crap because you have no willpower. Right. If you had willpower, you could push away, you could put the fork down, you could push away from the table and you would lose weight. And a lifetime of this and Weight Watchers, again, a big part of reinforcing a lot of that messaging. And this person talked about once they got, once they're, I think the second injection, weekly injection of Ozempic, their, their appetite mechanism in their body absolutely changed. And they realized that for basically their entire life, that, that the appetite mechanism of their body was just broken. They were ravenously hungry all the time. And it was, it was a, a misfiring of whatever biology is happening there in the brain or the hormones or whatever it was that they had never realized that they, they thought that everybody felt that way and that they could just override it with a strong mental game. That like, it's like, okay, everybody must be feeling these same hunger pangs, but they're a better person than me because they don't succumb to those hunger yeah, pangs. Yeah, and to add to that, I had a friend tell me, they say, for them who struggle with weight, they said, have you ever eaten an edible and then you got just, in, it was bedtime and maybe you used that to help sleep and then you got incredibly hungry and just wanted to go downstairs and eat everything in your refrigerator? I'm like, absolutely. They're like, that's the way I feel all the time even 30 minutes after lunch. That's the way I feel continuously. And I'm like, wow, that's, that's a son of a... Mm. And so after taking Nozempic for, I think, their second injection, it was they, they caught themselves skipping lunch uh, like and not realizing it. Like for the first time in their life, it's like I was on this task. Um, next thing you know, I look up and it's one thirty. I'd blown right through lunch and they're like, Oh my God. They had this moment of going, is this what other people's appetites feel like mm. where you could skip a lunch and not realize you skipped a lunch so that you weren't, you know, running through the wall with hunger. And, and so when I read this article, I was like, Oh, well that makes sense that there's this spectrum and that you could be, 
possibly defective in a sense, or that that system could not be functioning properly for whatever reason. Yep. And this, there are people that just cannot, they're never full. There's another experiment I, I just uh, heard about the other day that I found fascinating, and it's the people that have memory issues. Uh, and they wanted to figure out if memory, if, if, if feeling the, the, the feeling of satiation and fullness is actually also, uh, attack, attract, attached to memory. So these people that either had actual brain surgeries or the mental lapses for another reason, and they would give them a meal person would eat the whole lunch. Hey, it's time for lunch. They eat the entire lunch. Mm. Take the lunch away. Come back 10 minutes later. These are people with a short-term memory loss. Hey, it's time for lunch. These people would eat an entire second lunch, like a big portion of lunch. They came back 10 minutes later. Hey, it's time for lunch. They would eat a third helping of lunch in 30 minutes um, because they didn't remember eating lunch. So even though their body physiologically their stomach is stretched to capacity. They could not sense those feelings. The, the, the message was not reaching their brain because their memory was malfunctioning. And they're like, I guess it's time for lunch. And so they ate three lunches back to back to back. Um, so it, to me, it just shows that we, there's a lot more complexity around this than we thought before. I think before you jump into Ozempic, uh, for a cosmetic reason, recognize that once you go off of that drug, that your appetites are going to reappear. This is a thing that you, you have to do forever. It's not a thing where you, you say, oh, I have 15 pounds I'm going to lose for my wedding. And then I jump on Ozempic. And when, when you stop taking Ozempic, it's going to bounce right back. So I think people need to pay attention to that. Uh, and like you said, a thousand dollars a week for a weight loss drug if it's not not prescribed is a pretty expensive habit yeah more on the other side It's Ron here with Mitch Weeks from Mitch.loans. Mitch, it's interesting as the interest rates have risen, many people thought, oh, well, there'll be a bunch of inventory that comes on right at the first part of 2023 and then things will level out. That didn't happen. Inventory remains tight. Interest rates remain high. Why would that still be a good time to buy? Well, now's a great time to buy, and that's because rates are going to drop and we're going to see a feeding frenzy. Right now, there's a huge stagnant hole in the market, and that's that 700K to 1.2-ish million dollar home. And all the people living in those homes right now either refied or bought in a 25 to 3.5% rate, and they're terrified to move. They know if they sell their home, they're going to have to jump into a 6 6.5% rate, and it just won't look as attractive. So what's going to happen is rates are going to drop and all those people who wanted to move, wanted to upsize, wanted to move for whatever reason, you know, people just like to move in life, but they don't move if there's this blocker. And we're going to see that blocker come off. We're going to see the cap come off and we're going to see a a bit of a frenzy here. All right. So this would be the time to buy and then replace the rate uh, once it drops with your new program. Yeah, we've got the rate and replace program. You can buy now and you can refi free of charge free of the lender fees um and we'll take care of those for you so great deal all right check him out online at mitch.loans it's not a dot com it's mitch.loans 
Are you guys welcome back uh, to the Ron and Don Show? What happens to your brain when you die? You hear of a lot of people that say they've had an odd body experience. A lot of people have sold a lot of books saying, I'm die- I am I died, they brought me back, this is what I saw. A lot of people were hovering over the room, they saw themselves. Other people say that they saw God. Uh, some saw family members and they were sent back because they weren't ready to die. What's, what, what, uh, some new research out, I guess, about, uh, what happens to your brain when we die. Uh, what are your, what are your thoughts on this? It wasn't actually research. This was an accidental experiment. There was a, a, a man, there was an older man and he was in a medical, um, facility hooked up to, I think, an EEG, uh, uh, monitoring his brain waves and some other gear. And he, he, uh, he went into cardiac arrest during this other procedure and ended up passing away. And unbe- like after the fact, um, the doctors went back and was like, holy cow, we were accidentally recording the brain activity while they were trying to revive him. And obviously they didn't revive him. He passed uh, tragically, but they then went back and was like, this we believe is the first time that someone was hooked up to this sophisticated monitoring system for the brain specifically while they passed. And so it was an accidental experiment. And and what they found is a lot of the brain wave frequencies that are happening at the end of life uh, are similar to dream states and similar to um, some areas of the brain are lighting up that correspond with like very like REM sleep or deep meditation or things that where the memory centers and visual cortex of the brain were really lighting up. Um, so they're saying that there could be um, those sensations that people talk about those centers of the brain that would explain that did light up right before this person died and that there, there's some sort of physiological thing um, where the body is, the body is wired to preserve the brain at all costs. And that's what like, like even when someone goes on a starvation diet or a hunger strike, the body will begin to consume its own muscle, its own bone, its own liver and the systems of the body to keep enough glucose going to the brain. Like that's what ketosis is all about is converting fat into energy that your brain could use. And so the, the, they postulate that the brain there at the last minute, right before you die, it makes one final surge of saying we, we are literally wired to keep this organ going and it takes one final surge of of all the resources that the body can give it and it lights up these parts of the brain that contribute to what you're talking about. Yeah, it's interesting if you've ever been in a room and i used to to work in the church when i was younger and so i went to a lot of funerals and a lot of weddings and into uh, hospitals and and watch people in their final moments i have a, a cousin who worked in a brain cancer ward for 35 years. And I said, how do you do that? And she said, you know, to be honest with you, it's one of the most beautiful things. Usually not always someone passes. Sometimes it can be very violent. Uh, and it sucks to be in that room. But she says a lot of times when someone's passing, uh, to be in that room with them, their final moments. And, and, and she talked to me about brainstorming that the brain actually has this storm and to see people have this brainstorm, before they actually pass, and it probably is connected to the kind of research or uh, not research, but uh, this particular event that just happened that will probably now turn into research 
she said it's really extraordinary. And, and, and sometimes it's really, it can be hurtful and harmful to the family if they don't understand hospice and don't understand that this is going to happen. Because it happens to a lot of hospice patients where they have this brainstorm at the end and all of a sudden they, they feel completely normal and they're having one of their best days that they've had in days, months, or even years. And then you're like, why, why did they die just then? So in hospice, they, they, they will teach you about this. And I remember my, my mother's husband a number of years ago, his name was Stanley. And my son and I went back to see him. It was Christmas time and he was struggling and, and, and he, he had cancer that was actually connected to New Mexico. And we're all watching Oppenheimer right now. If you haven't seen it, go see it. The Manhattan Project, White Sands Missile Range, Los Alamos, Sandia Labs, and all. He worked there. And as a result of that, he said, I'll probably die of lots of different cancers. And I think they found seven different cancers in his body when he passed away at 72. Uh, and the government actually has a settlement. So they write people checks and they had written him a check, but it doesn't give you your life back for all the people that were exposed to all the radiation from all this experimentation from the Manhattan Project on. So, so with that though, we're, we're sitting there. And he had been kind of in and out of consciousness when I got there for about seven days. And when I first got there, he could sit out on the couch. He could walk a little bit. Then he got to the point where he's just completely bedridden, bedridden. And he's laying down. He's, he hadn't eaten in days. And he has to go to the bathroom in the bed. And we have to help him with that. We didn't have any hospice nurses there then. It was Christmas time. So I was there trying to hire hospice nurses. It was very, it was, it was very difficult. So we were, we were the hospice nurses. And, and I can remember right before he passed, he had this moment where as best he could, he sat up in bed. And I mean, he really, He'd been paralyzed in bed. He really couldn't move. And he had this moment where he didn't just want a hamburger, but he wanted a very specific hamburger. It was the kind of hamburger that he ate when he was a kid. He wanted from a particular hamburger stand. He wanted particular things on it. These things he didn't even normally put on his hamburger, which was really interesting to me. Uh, he wanted certain sides with this burger and it had to be for this, from this particular place. So I went out, I got those things. I brought it back. He sat there and he ate the, he hadn't eaten in days and he was brainstorming. He ate the entire burger. He ate that whole, this is his last meal. He ate this whole entire meal. He never ate again after that. And we were all sitting there going, wow, I think Grandpa Stanley is coming back. And, the, and, and then he passed away. And, and luckily, I, I had done some research about this, and I'd been in rooms where this happened before, and I watched people brainstorm. Because my son was really, he was, he was four at the time, and he's like, wow, that is really 10, 11, no, he was 7, 8, 9, 10, 11. He was 7 at the time. He, he, he couldn't figure out why it, it looked like Grandpa Stanley was going to live, and then he died. It's because his brain was storming. So, uh that's fascinating, you guys. Yeah. Hey, thanks for listening to this uh, episode of the Ron and Don Show. If you need us, just reach out. Yeah, you can uh, hit me on email directly, ron at ronanddon.com. We have a website, ronanddonsitdown.com, and uh, you can find out all about our real estate business, and there's links to the radio business. Also, link to our newsletter if you'd like to get signed up. We don't spam you. Uh, it's right there called The Nation News. All right, you guys, head up, shoulders back. We'll see you next time. You've been listening to the Ron and Don Show. And don't forget the real estate only Ron and Don Show. Uh, it's every Friday, and it pops right here in this feed 
tomorrow. Okay? Head up, shoulders back. We'll see you next time. Again, it's the Ron and Don Show. Oh, my! Oh, no. Ron and Don Radio Network. Now keep your head up and your shoulders back. And keep blowing that trumpet, and we'll see you next time. Only! 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 On the Ron and Don Radio Network. Only.